Hey, honeys, I have something exclusive to tell you. You can hear episodes of my show and 30 others, Harmontown, Drinky Fun Time, Dumpable Town, before anyone else on TuneIn First Play. Lucky you. You can listen right now on the TuneIn app. Play Nashville a week early. You're like living in a time machine, baby. So why don't you check it out? All you have to do is download the TuneIn app and listen for free. This is like being a podcast VIP. Don't forget, they also have live sports, news, music, audiobooks. It's enabled in Apple CarPlay, so I think you should check it out. All you have to do is go to TuneIn.com slash NatchBute. TuneIn, baby. PRA, Public Radio America. You're smarter already. PRA, Public Radio America, and Your Welcome World News are brought to you today by Craft Vapory. Do you like to vape? Do you like vaping? Are you a fan of having had vaped? Or are you just looking for a cool gift this holiday season? Visit craftvapory.com and use the promo code POINTLESS to find yourself with some big savings. That's pointless, as in the pointless podcast on Super Creative. Or pointless, as in any of my attempts to find a mate on online dating. I'm telling you, online dating does not work. But craftvapory.com works. This week on Your Welcome, Chartreuse Belgium reports from terribly early in the morning on the rising trend of sober morning raves. What is going through the deranged minds of the city's youth, and why don't I ever get invited? Plus, we are triumphantly bringing back That American There. We are reluctantly bringing back BBC affiliate Austin Bronte. All of that plus retractions today on Your Welcome. welcome. Welcome to your welcome. I'm Stefan Hyphen-Straitman, and I think the Beatles are underrated. If you really stop and think about it, they really did change the world of music as we know it. Our first topic for the week. Normally, if you're waking up at four in the morning, something has gone horribly wrong in your life. A tornado is coming, or your house is on fire, or you work the opening shift at Dunkin' Donuts. But a lot of youths are embracing a new trend to kick their days off right with music you would not like wearing clothes that would annoy you, combining things that you are bad at, like yoga and dancing, in a seemingly deliberate attempt to upset you. Who are they, and why are they? Chartreuse Beljar has the story. America likes to party. Come nightfall, bars, clubs, and music venues pulse to beats so that citizens can escape their daily routine, forget about their absurd rent, feel feelings or not feel feelings, until approximately 2 a.m., but what happens when folks can't stay up till 2 a.m. for this emotionally releasing dance party? Where do they get their fix? Do the folks just stop? Hell to the no. They find the time to party. Even if that means before work hours. And soberly. Sober dance clubs have been popping up in cities like San Francisco, L.A., and Brooklyn, opening their doors at 5 a.m., serving up nothing but... The hottest beats. All right, all right, all right. Good morning, Los Angeles. I'm DJ Daybreak. <sighs> all right, I know y'all are sleepy. It's 5 a.m., but let's pretend it's 10 p.m. DJ Daybreak in the house, here to wake you up. <laughs> 
Alright, there's a guy in the corner trying to take a nap. Wake him up, wake him up, wake him up. Don't listen to the haters. It's never too early for Deadmouse. This place is great, but I liked it before everybody knew about it. Some people think uh, you have to have alcohol to dance, but like if you don't give yourself um, a moment to wake up, you just go straight to the club, you feel sleepy drunk. It's this is awesome. I come to dance, but also to recruit new students to come to my laughter workshops. Most of these people are very damaged goods, full of deep problems. Eventually, the bumping beats got the best of me, and I myself, I ended up on the dance floor. After about 45 minutes of gyrating mostly my lower half, I feel ready for a nap. Chartreuse Beljar reporting from way too damn early in the morning. Uh, Chartreuse, uh, do you see yourself ever going back to one of these uh, so-called sober, so-called dance, uh, so-called parties? I don't exactly know what happened to me, but I know that I moved more than I have in a long time, physically and emotionally. What about spiritually? That too. Wow. Three for three. Yeah. It was, it was, it was everything that those people said. Uh, you have glitter literally coming out of your eyeballs every time you blink. Um, I like it. Uh, it's starting to bother me a little bit. It's well, very maybe, disconcerting. Uh, I think maybe you should give it a try. I think you should come to one of these dance clubs because, honestly, um, you will be covered in glitter and you you might just like it. I might just not. I'm normally pretty content with my dandruff problem. I don't really need any like. It could fancy be sparkly dandruff. Mm, have you seen those pills? They actually have little glitter pills you can take so that your uh, your stools your stools are glittery. Like the bar stools that I have at home in my uh, lounge. No, the stools that come out of your um, bottom half. Oh, you're talking about human feces. Correct. You want my human feces to be full of glitter. I don't necessarily want it to be glittery, but you might like it. There's options for glitter on your body, coming out of your body. They have them as little party favors as you exit the clubs. That glitter is the pills. Glitter pills. Mm -hmm. That is the second strangest thing that you said to me. The first strangest being an actual invitation to a party, which I have not properly received from Listen, another human we being. In 12 years. I'm not saying that we should go together. I'm just saying that you might find yourself there. What? Yes. I, mm, uh, but there would be people under the age of 40 there? Yes. Uh, mm, uh, uh, ooh, hey, uh, ooh. Open your mind in your heart. Ugh. My mind is more open than the gates of Noah's freaking ark. My heart is fine. But I don't know if I need socializing in my life. I feel like I'm a pretty well-rounded human being. All right, well, you're lost. The last time I tried to make a new friend was a 39-and-a-half-year-old named Daryl. What happened? I don't want to talk about it. Okay. He you broke my heart. He broke you my... You brought it up. He, um, he broke my heart. Did you have a love affair? No, we had a bromance. Ooh. We went to Woody Allen films. 
we read old Woody Allen New Yorker short stories. I I think you had a, I I think you were going on dates. Chartreuse Bell Jar, ladies and gentlemen. Thank Bye-bye. you very much for the field reporting. PRA and You're Welcome are brought to you by The New Yorker. You know it's sophisticated because it gives you a little single-panel cartoon in the middle of an article about racial injustice. Make it to the end of this column and we will give you a quip about how expensive gas is. The New Yorker, the journalistic equivalent of brand cereal with little marshmallows mixed in. And by Twitter, turning the stream of consciousness into a smothering avalanche. Twitter, you've never been lonelier. Now we are going to attempt to bring back the popular segment, That American There, in our ongoing attempt to bring you authentic American voices that are not deranged. Uh, Again, we have Chartreuse Bell Jar here. Hello. Hi, hi. Hello, hello to you. Um, Please tell me that you have something non-deranged and extraordinarily sincere and poignant lined up for us today with that American I have all of that for you. Okay, I am ready to be disappointed. Thank you. That American there is a collection of stories, people, Americans, that we interview and get just gather some of their truths based on a theme. And today's theme is Cat Got Your Tongue. Now, I stumbled upon a very interesting man at a dog park, not really amongst the dogs. I don't like to get too involved, but just outside, staring at the dogs. I found this man, Brandon Brandenburg, and he has something wonderful to tell us. Uh, yeah, so I, um, I, uh, I studied biology at Virginia Tech, and I wanted to focus at, on uh, zoology. So I did a summer internship at a zoo, a state-funded zoo in Kenya. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I had to do while I was there was I was assigned, you're assigned specific animals, and I was assigned a tiger. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, that's what I thought. And, you know, I fed the tiger. I played with the tiger. Uh, the tiger was uh, female, so part of my job was to um, pretend to be its cub because it was sterile. Ooh. Yeah. Did that involve cuddling it did and you know one thing that cats do when they're intimate is they groom each other and i don't know if you know this but the way cats groom is by licking i do know yes i do know so the tiger uh, or tigress would lick me clean uh and then i would do the same and one day i had neglected my feeding duties and uh i was cleaning with my tongue and the tiger her name was Jezebel. She uh, kind of snapped at me and... Uh, Verbally? <clears throat> no, no. Physic- re- like literally. Fi- snapped her phys- jaws. Snapped her jaws onto my extended tongue. Oh. And, While and mid-lick. Mid-lick. I was licking like right... I was like trying to get some food from a dirt... You know, her mouth area was dirty and I was licking around there and she did not like it. And she bit my tongue clean off um well about halfway like but just it was i said clean off but it was actually quite messy very bloody yes uh they don't have long sharp teeth like a 
blade. It's more like a stabbing point. Oh, no. Yeah. So it was not a clean cut. There was no. Some... It was kind of looked like um, if you put paper in a shredder and then take it out. And it was little flaps. It was flappy, and there was a lot of blood. I fainted pretty quickly. Thankfully, several hours later, someone came in and found me. It's a very painful experience. That this was. I can tell. Um, I was a sophomore in college. I had a girlfriend, you, were you know, and it's a research zoo, so there's no one observing, no, no passers-by watching you f do this. You were alone. I was alone, and it took 16 hours before someone wondered where Brandon was and came to find me. There I was with basically no tongue. I, I had the base of the tongue still, but so I could articulate it and, and flap it around, but all I was flapping around was kind of loose meat. And the locals there in Kenya, the zoo was very badly funded, and they did what they could to fashion a prosthetic tongue for me because it was very apparent that I wouldn't be able to speak without one. So I had a sort of a conglomeration of uh, a smooth piece of sandalwood and some gauze and some medical tape, and that functioned as my tongue for the remainder of the summer semester. Did you Were you able to speak right afterwards, or did it take some time to get used to this new tongue? It took me... Uh, well, you know, it took me... I would say a few days to be physically able to speak, but it actually took me about two weeks to be emotionally able to speak again. Mm. Uh, I went through a brief period where I would only be, I would only let people treat me like I was a tiger. It was a very like traumatic experience. Of course, of course. Um, quick question. Uh, what happened to Jezebel? What do you mean? Well, afterwards, did you just part ways and work on your tongue and then never see her again? Uh, no, I, I was still, uh, she was still assigned to me. They were kind of, you wow. know, like tough tomatoes. So I, uh, wow. I went back in there basically as soon as I could. Uh, I did not lick her. Instead, I would, uh, wet a sponge and put it on the end of a broomstick and use that because I, I learned a lesson about licking a tiger. But, uh, when I got back to the United States, my parents found my prosthetic tongue totally unacceptable, oh. as did my girlfriend uh, when I tried to sure. use it yeah, on her. Yeah, yeah you know, because sure. when you have a girlfriend, you touch you need your... To, yeah, they have needs. Yeah. So then I went through a series of, of prosthetic tongues because it turns out there's not very many good ones. Mm. I found a, a silicon polymer prosthetic tongue. That seems like it would be smooth. It was, it was too smooth. When I would lick things, that it was kind of like gliding over them. It would just slip on out of your mouth. Yeah, I couldn't make much contact. Um, also, when you eat a soup or a cold drink, a hot, hot or cold, the polymer retained the temperature for a long time. Interesting. And it was very uncomfortable. You might not realize the temperature of your tongue, but it stays about body temperature. Sure. Uh, but this was like a hot water bottle. Yes. Inside of your mouth. Or a cold one. Like, just not good. Mm. Uh, I had one that was uh, just plastic, but was Bluetooth enabled. That was interesting. I didn't like it. You could uh, you could speak speak to people through your Bluetooth tongue? Mm-hmm. And take phone calls. And it was just too much, you know, connected I'd all imagine the time. imagine, you know, people do the um, your pocket dial. Yes, I'm I sure did a that... lot of mouth dialing. 
especially when you're sleeping, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Or eating. Or again with my girlfriend, which I called my mom one time. It was very embarrassing. Oh, dear. You know. Um, so then I, uh, I looked into Cedar sinai in Los Angeles has a, an experimental program for tongue transplant surgery. So I actually now have a tongue transplant that I received from a tongue donor. Is that... Do you know who the donor was? Mm-hmm. Who was it? Is it uh, Jezebel? No, I, a tiger is tongue... Is a human? human it be, would have been a tiger big. tongue is not an acceptable replacement for a human tongue. I Come just on, thought get it would have been a really nice full circle. You're really... I feel like I'm showing you my wounds and you're just poking into them with a spongy broomstick. I, I never... I, I would... Mm. Okay. I'm, my my tongue is was given to me by my um, brother. My brother, it's a whole other story, but he has a um, very serious Crohn's disease, and it was flaring up, and he was hospitalized, and uh, he knew he was going to die, and he agreed uh, somewhat reluctantly to give me his tongue. So I have my brother's tongue. There was a period where my mouth rejected the tongue, and they had to keep putting it back in there oh. over and over. But now I have a working uh, donated tongue. It looks amazing. Yeah, you can notice there's a pretty big scar across it. Oh, wow. Kind of like a zigzag where the shredded marks were. Yeah, it's like a little... And I can't, everything tastes like pepper. Oh, But boy. other than that... At least it's not a slippery tongue. At least mm -hmm. it's not a Bluetooth mm -hmm. tongue. And I can blow a mean raspberry. Uh, I have a new girlfriend now. She won't let me touch her with it because it's weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's I'm so um, sorry. And I and I don't ever want to work in a zoo again. I don't blame you. That was Brandon Brandenburg and his wonderful story about well, tongues and how a cat did indeed get his. Uh, thank you very much for that installment of that American there chartreuse. Um I am curious um, you seem to be taking the theme, Cat Got Your Tongue, pretty, pretty, pretty literally there. I didn't take it, but the individual who I interviewed did. How many people did you interview before you found a story about someone who actually had a physical tongue cat a numerous, altercation? Numerous people, but uh, they weren't interesting. Okay, and you were you were on the clock for all of those? Right. I mean, those were hours that you put on your timesheet. Oh, yes. Okay. Just making sure. Thank you very much for alienating yet another authentic American with that American there. You're welcome. Joining us now, as always, is BBC correspondent Austin Bronte. Austin, what's it like out there where you are there? Stephen! Or may I call you Steve? Neither. It's been a busy week here at BBC Nation. The wolves are running, Master Harker, and there are but a bare few who can break their terrible spell. That is as may be, Austin. What is the new news from Old England? Well now, 
This last week, massive controversy raged over the possible privatization of email. As I'm sure you know, great and glorious Britain is one of the last countries in the world to glory in a government-run email system, with every email being personally read, approved, and, if appropriate, forwarded to the intended recipient. That sounds positively sinister. Every email is read by a government goon? Yes, that's right. If the government are paying for the thing, they jolly well want to make sure that they get their money's worth. By reading every single email. Exactly right, Stephen. It's a wonderful testament to the social safety net provided to generations of British civilians. And now there's a so-called threat that the email service may be privatized. Indeed. The royal email might be known as plain old email if Downing Street gets its way. Such a great shame as one of the world's last great public services goes down the drain. A shame indeed, yes, but also a victory for privacy and fairness. Bah! Yes, indeed. Now, Austin, I understand there's news from Britain's food minister, Sir Gullian Smalltag? It's pronounced Julian Smith. Oh. And yes, Mr. S has declared war on health. He is fighting the evil forces of home cooking and helpful lifestyle choices with a broad-sided attack on amateur chefs everywhere. Yes, he was quoted as saying, I had a large bowl of sugary cereal today which cost 4p. A large bowl of porridge will cost you 25p. Uh, that surely just cannot be right, Austin. It's as right as rain, Stephen. As children across the Queen's nation are being taught... Homemade food is both dangerous and costly. Sir Smith said it best himself when he himself said to himself, Life is considerably more expensive if you are able to cook. So put down your spoons, throw away your crockery pots, and grab a bar of chalky, for heaven's sake. Well, surely there must be a mistake. I mean, home cooking, it's, it's a strong option economically, uh, health-wise, uh, in terms of allowing you time to spend with your family, if you have one, your dog, if you have one, uh, your cat, you hopefully don't have one. Uh, well, maybe in America, Stephen, but here in Britain, we are old-fashioned and try to cook things at home that will kill us within a matter of weeks. Austin, your country is going to hell in a handbasket. Good luck to you, and God save your souls. Cheerfully, Captain! That almost wraps up your Welcome World news. But first, we're right all the time, with the small exception being when we are not. So here are our retractions from last week's show. Robots are real. I don't speak Spanish. Tiger Woods got his name from the animal, not from the handheld electronic game company popular in the early 1990s. And... The Eiffel Tower was named after Alec Eiffel, not a man named Mr. The Eiffel Tower. A quick update on the ongoing Public Radio America fundraiser. We are up to 1.11% of our goal. At the $10 level, donors will receive a non-committal handshake without eye contact. $30 and we'll throw in the eye contact. $50 and we'll hold the eye contact for too long. Thank you for listening, or at least having us on in the background while you drive. And special thanks, as always, to research assistants Eric Stoles, Madeline Wager, Jeremy Simon, and Levi Petrie, 
along with interns Tim Adewell, Phoebe Neidhart, and Josh Ratchford, and of course, in-studio valet Zane Grant. I'm Stefan-Straitman saying, we're right all the time so you don't have to be. Thank you, and you're welcome. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.